Our today's scripture is uh, uh, one is from First John three sixteen to seventeen, and we also have First John four seven to eight. I will start with the first one. Uh, it says, "By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need," yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Uh, second portion. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Thank you. Good afternoon. Does it feel like Christmas yet? Um, it feels weird to celebrate. This is the second year that we're celebrating Christmas under um, our, our COVID and restriction and lockdown. As you know, even today, for churches now it's thirty percent and the different rules. Uh, so it doesn't quite feel like Christmas, but Christmas is six days away. Um, and and today, as as it is fitting, we're going to celebrate the final message of Advent. Every Christmas season as a church, we go through uh, different aspects of Advent. Advent, again, means coming. We're celebrating not only the original coming of, of Jesus the King, but also expecting expecting His return. Um, and we looked at the hope of Advent, the peace of Advent, the joy of Advent. Last week, Pastor John spoke about the joy of Advent, and we're going to be talking about love today. Love. More precisely, how Jesus' arrival, Advent, has opened the door for you and I to truly not only express love or experience love, but really love others as Jesus has loved us. And, and all of us would agree, in order for us to truly experience happiness, we need love. It could be the most cynical person in the room. You could be uh, the most, um, maybe, person with really painful past by love, we all desire love. So every one of us are willing to go to great length to experience love. I remember first time meeting Lois, my wife, and I remember uh, planning our proposal. I flew out to Australia, right? Some people propose knowing like 90% they'll say yes. I was literally a toss-up, 50-50%. So I decided to surprise uh, Lois in Australia and do this really dramatic thing. But I remember going great length, reaching out to her friends, uh, asking for their help and planning my proposal in the middle of nowhere, Australia. Um, we, we are all willing to go great length to experience love. In fact, according to Google, 57% of all the songs that were released in 2020 is about love. right? Romantic love, broken love, self-love. Yet if I were to ask you right now, turn to people that are next to you or behind you, in front of you, and tell somebody your own definition of love, that would be a, I'm not going to ask you to do that. You guys are like, oh no, don't do that. We're just here. Um, but if I were to ask you to do that, I feel like it would, be, it, it would be a rather difficult task because love is used in so many different ways. Love is thrown, thrown around in different ways. And we all have our own experience of uh, experiences, stories, and heartbreaks that have shaped our idea of love. Yet again, it's not easy to define what love really is. In fact, our culture 
today's society puts very, very little attempt to define what love is. Uh, during my prep, I, I ran into this article written by this secular author. And here's an excerpt that I, I want to I share with you. And I think it captures well a snapshot of how today's society, our culture, think about the subject of love. And here's a quote. We shouldn't waste our time trying to define love. Our culture says don't waste time trying to define love because that's the beauty of love. There is no one size fits all or standard or rules. Love has no limit. It is ever changing. So we must leave room for the unknown, the new, the magic. It's in that space that our hearts stretch. We learn, grow, and continually redefine love. We have to. Because the day our definition of stop changing, we will stop loving. End quote. Sounds pretty good. We could jive with that. And we hear some version of that sentiment concerning love through our movies, books, and songs. In many ways, that message of let's not define love. Love needs to always be able to change and redefine itself resonate with many of us. That's maybe perhaps how we view love. Yet when we choose not to define something, when we choose not to define what love is, I think we will never know whether we are experiencing something that is genuine or it is simply a distorted view, a form of, some, a form of love. So today, as we walk through these passages in 1 John, right, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 4, what we want to do is, what I want to attempt is get a clearer picture of what Scripture shows us or how Scripture defines what love is. So 1 John chapter 4, we're going to be spending our time mostly 1 John chapter 3, but 1 John chapter 4, John, this is the, not John the Baptist, but Apostle John, the guy who wrote the fourth gospel, the, the guy who coined himself as the beloved disciple of Jesus. He says this in verse 7 of chapter 4 in 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And then he says in verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So John says love is not only knowable, love is not only definable, but only when we come to the source of love, we can truly know what love is. We can truly define what love is. So today I want to spend the rest of our time, maybe next 20 minutes, three observations concerning love. One, partial understanding of love. Two, essential aspects of love. And three, transformative power of love. Partial Understanding of love, essential aspects of love, transformative power of love. So first, partial understanding of love. How we understand love or how our culture understands love. You see, if you look up definition, if you Google definition of love in our phones and our devices, what you will get is some definition of intense feeling or deep affection. That's probably the most common definition you'll get. Webster, different dictionaries. Intense feeling or deep affection. This is, all, this is often how love is portrayed in our movies, in our books, in our songs. A boy meets a girl and falls madly in love with her. Right? This intense feeling and affection. If you guys love love songs, uh, 
Casey and Jojo. You guys know Casey and Jojo. Am I dating myself? Casey and Jojo all my life. I'm not going to sing it. It's going to be terrible. Um, but the, this is a, these, I, I found it really comical, right? The lyrics. Listen to the lyrics. An owl, I'm trying not to sing because I'm going to just read the lyrics. I will never find another lover more precious than you, more precious than you. Girl, you are close to me. You're like my mother. Close to me, you're like my father. Close to me, you're like my sister. Close to me, you're like my brother. Very cheesy. You are the only one, my everything, and for you, this song I sing. You are the only one, my everything. You're better than my mom, my dad, my, my brother, my sister. It's an intense affection. I don't know how that song will, will, will do in 2022, but, but back in the days, that was a very popular love song. Right, this intense affection. We think about movies. Uh, we saw. We think about these holiday movies that we see, where a boy and a girl intensely falls in love, and they're willing to do anything. Yet, First John chapter three, our other passage, sixteen says, it's not mere affection, it's not mere intense emotion that defines love. John says, you and I, we know love because he laid down his life for us. We know love because he laid down his life for us. So according to John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, love is not mere expression of one's feelings, but it is what? It is a deed. Everyone say deed. It is a deed waking up middle of, middle of night to feed your crying baby. It's, it's a deed working multiple jobs just to put food on the table. My parents did that when we immigrated to America. I remember my mom working multiple jobs to put food on the table because she loved us. It is deed driving hours and hours to visit a friend in hospital. It is going grocery shopping for a family, for a friend who needs our help. Right? It is deed love invokes action. John says love. It's not only action, but it requires action. It requires us giving of ourselves. It is deed-oriented. In this popular musical, The Fiddler on the Roof, uh, there's this couple, this old couple. They've been married for 25 years. Husband, Tavi, asks his wife, Gordy, whether she truly loves him. Right? They, they lived 25 years in a, in a rather successful marriage, which was arranged by his parents and his, his, his wife's parents. And he considers, right? he comes to a moment, he's like, love is important. And he turns to his wife and says, do you love me? Gordy, do you love me? And their parents have told them when, they, when they're getting married that they would have learned to love one another by now. And, and, and Tevi is still compelled to ask Gordy if she, after 25 years of, of living life together, do you really love me? And the wife Gordy responds, I'm not going to sing again. This is a musical. I'm not going to sing again. She, she's surprised by this question. After 25 years, she says, do I love you? Are you sick or something? Like, do you, do you need to rest? Are you really asking whether I love you after 25 years of marriage? And so she says, for 25 years, I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked a cow. For 25 years, I've lived with you, fought with you, starved with you. For 25 years, my bed is yours. If that's not love, what is so she goes around, roundabout way to say, yeah, of course I love you, right? 
Look what I've done for you. For 25 years, I've given you children. I love you. So really, love is not only deed, but it requires action. Second thing that John tells us is that love also requires that we lay down our lives for others. Friends, love that Christ has modeled for us, love that Christ has expressed for us, cost, cost his own life. So when John calls you and I to love others, right? When he is calling us in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, you also love others, you ought to love others. He's speaking of a quality of love that is not cheap, that is not easy, He's talking about love that will demand that we give away part of ourselves or maybe all of ourselves. So loving others as Christ has loved us, essentially that's what John is calling us to do through our passage. It's really hard when you think about it. I mean, when you think about your relationships and how you, have, how you are in relationship with other people, your coworkers, your spouse, your children, Loving others as Christ has loved us, it's hard. It's even hard between husband and wife. It often feels impossible because what? We like to express love, yes, as long as the cost is not too great. The truth is, I mean, if, at least if I'm honest, truth is, I really don't like being inconvenienced. I really don't like being interrupted. I really don't like getting myself involved in messy, difficult, hard situation. Right? Even, even with Lois, my wife, who I love. Like she'll, she'll be doing something like, like this morning. We're getting ready for a church. She's got to get ready for kids stuff. I got to get ready for Sunday. We're doing stuff. And Lois is like, can you put, Ellen, can you put Ellen's clothes on? I'm like, ah, I don't want to be interrupted. Can you just do this for me? It's hard. And in our passage, John gives us two contrasting examples. Right before 16, in verse 11 to 12, John gives us two examples, two contrasting examples of love. On one side, he mentions a man named Cain, the original brother, the first or older brother, who murdered his own, his own brother, Abel, out of his own sin, and the other side, there is Jesus, right? Two examples, very different examples of love. And the other side of Cain is Jesus, the true older brother, the model older brother who willingly took on death for the sins of others. In verse, verse 12, John says, look at Cain. Remember Cain? Genesis 3, remember Cain? Genesis 4, the man who murdered his own brother Abel? And, and, and what John's saying is Cain couldn't lay down his own life. He couldn't lay down his own pride. He couldn't lay down his need to be right or to be better than his younger brother. And so when he is rebuked by God, so they, him and his brother brings offering to God, and God rebukes him, and God took Abel's gift, and God did not take Cain's gift. When that happened, instead of Cain choosing to repent, what does he do? He goes and murders his own brother Abel out of envy, out of jealousy. And, and one of the reasons why John, in, in, in our passage, 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, John mentions of Cain, I think it's because 
we are more like Cain than we realize. John sees the audience. John knows the people that will receive his letter and knows human hearts. And he says, you guys are much more, we are much more like Cain than we realize. And friends, there is Cain in all of us. Because often when push comes to shove, we don't want to lay down our lives. Laying down our lives is hard. When push comes to shove, we don't want to own up to our own failures or, or, or choose to do the right thing. Instead, we would rather pull others down. We would rather convince ourselves that we were not wrong. So we murder, we gossip, and create false narratives about someone else. So in verse 12, 1 John chapter 3, John tells us the reason why Cain murdered his own brother. John says it, it's because Cain's deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Right? He's talking about envy and jealousy and Cain's unwillingness lay down his life. And so friends, as we th think about our own struggles and conflicts, as we think about our own workplaces, our homes, why is there so much gossip and conflict and disunity in our workplaces? Why is there so much mistrust, hurt, and pointing fingers in our marriage, in our friendships, in our relationships with our parents, with our own kids? Yes, we live and work and raise and love broken people with real baggages and pain. That's true. There are many, many hurt people all around us. Yet at the heart of the matter is it's also because we too are very much like Cain. At least more like Cain than we would like to believe or realize. So John 1 John chapter 4, the next chapter in verse 9, John tells us, here's a solution. John understands, hey, there's a limitation and who you guys are like. So John tells us this is why God the Son came. This is why we celebrate Advent. We put up Christmas trees and light these candles and come and worship because this is what Jesus has done. This is, this is the real reason for this season because Jesus knew we could not love. Jesus knew that we could not serve others and lay down our lives for others. That's why he came. That's what John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 tells us, that Christ came into creation as one of us. And in verse 9, he says, so that we might be able to live through him. So friends, but the scripture, not just 1 John chapter 4, but all of scripture is reminding us throughout these stories and narratives of people. Is, is, is You've heard this before, that Jesus did not come to turn bad people into good or simply misguided people onto the right path. That's not the reason why Jesus came. He came because we, were, we are so much more like Cain than we realize. He came because we were not just bad, but we were dead. He came because there was no life in us. He came because we were living in darkness. That's why Jesus is known as the light of the world. So Jesus, the Son of God, co-creator, comes into his creation as one of us moves into our neighborhood so who, 
we who were dead might live through him. And verse 10 of John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, he says, This is love. The true definition of love. Not that we have loved God. John says this. John says, not because we love God, but it's because he loved us and sent his only son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. So only when we're able to better grasp this truth or 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, only then we can begin to truly forgive. We can begin to reconcile. We can begin to lay down our lives for others. Friends, the battles and the conflicts that you're facing today, sure, every situation is unique and complex. And every, everybody has their own side of the story. And I don't mean to downplay the real pain or the battles that you, you've been fighting or you're still fighting. Yet when we look to Christ and how He has loved us, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 4, that ought to change even the way we address these conflicts. That ought to change even the way we think about and resolve these conflicts. That ought to challenge us even the way we, we lay down our lives and serve those that are in need. Even if it means life may get more complicated. Even if it means things may get hard or more difficult. We may be interrupted. And that is really the third and the final observation. The transformative nature of Jesus' love. Verse 16 of 1 John chapter 3 John says, by this we know that Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers or for others. John simply says, this is how we are transformed. This is how anybody is transformed. I mean, when you think about it, how is anyone transformed? Right? You, you think about Maybe that one friend who is always cynical or maybe one student that you've been teaching for years and years that drive you crazy or a coworker that can never seem to understand your side of the story. You think about these people. How are they going to be transformed? You threat them. You guilt them. You shame them. I try to do that with my own daughter who is only like three. I guilt her. I try to shame her. I'm like, I'm going to leave you. Dad's not going to, we're going to, like today she's like, I don't want to go to church. And we're like, okay, fine. Stay home. You're going to be alone. Right? I, I think about like the way I, I, I parent my kids and I'm like, I'm, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I need the gospel. And, and, and my, what my, my three-year-old daughter is teaching me is that you're not going to be able to change anybody by threats and guilt and shame, at least not lasting changes. You might be able to get them to put their clothes on and go to church. You might be able to do, make them do something at that moment, but, but, but after a while, it's not long-lasting changes. Only love, only love can actually bring True lasting transformation. I mean, this is not anything new. This is very simple, but it's true. This is true of parent-child relationship. This is true of our marriage. I think first three years, man, Lois and I, we try to change each other. We try to tell each other, you got to change. 
And then you know what I learned? Three years of ministry, first three years of ministry, ain't nobody changing. I ain't changing. She's not changing. God's got to change us. All their friendships. It's, it's really understanding and, and, and realizing love. So listen again to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. I mean, we've been all over the place, but literally we've been in just two chapters, guys. I know, I know I've been jumping around, but it's 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. John basically lands the plane. He says, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God abides in him. And by this, by this is love perfected with us. By this is love perfected with us. With us, what John is 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 saying is John doesn't say try harder to love someone. He doesn't say do better or change your mind. the pre- The prescription, the prescription that John gives to you and I is to is simple. If if we want to lay down our life, we want to learn to truly love somebody. What we need to do is we need to continue to live in God. That's what it says in our passage. Right? For we have come to know God and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And by this is love perfected with us. What John is saying is that that's how our love matures. That word perfected means mature. That's how our love grows. That's how we truly learn to love somebody, truly learn to lay down our life, truly learn to serve others. Friends, as we celebrate this year's Christmas, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm sensing this year's Christmas may be extra challenging for many of us. Right? Many of us aren't able to travel home to spend time with those that we love. If you are traveling home and watching us online, time with family, I mean, movies tell us time with family should be wonderful and awesome, but time with family for some of us can be the most challenging thing. I mean, as, as a city, we are going back to a greater social distancing measures. If you're unvaccinated now, you can't go anywhere and eat with anybody. And the, and the question that you may be asking, or at least the question I've been asking God, is simple. I'm going to be honest. I am frustrated with social distancing measures. Not, not because I don't want to keep it, but because it's so hard to, to do church. It's so hard for us to be able to meet together. Like, we haven't done anything this year. All we did was Sunday service. And we're doing online Christmas, I mean, praise God for technology, and we're going to do online Christmas Eve service. But wouldn't it be amazing if we could just come together and be able to, like, go just hang out, share a meal together? We can't do any of this stuff. So I've been frustrated. And I've been asking God, God, are you truly in control? God, do you really love me? Do you really love our community? We have spent half of our existence under COVID. I'm frustrated, God. Do you really love me? And I realize I'm often like Tevi, the husband in the story, the, the, the musical, 
the fiddler, fiddler on the roof. I'm, I'm like that husband with God. When I experience these ups and downs and different challenging seasons of life, I'm like that husband. I'm like, God, do you really love me? But unlike Gordy, the wife, God is confident and intentional about his love for us. Right? And God, every time I question God, God reminds me, I've sent my one and only son. And he lived a life that you could not live and died the death that you deserved. And are you questioning my love for you, Sangmin? Like, really? Are you really doing this? Friends, this is the gospel. And, 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 and perhaps you may be asking that question, God, do you really love me? Friends, this is the gospel. Jesus died so that we can live. Jesus took on the shame and the shackles of the world so that we can be set free. Jesus shed his tears on that cross so that we can rejoice. If that isn't love, if that is not love, what is? As we celebrate this year's Christmas, let's be reminded even though we may have many, many questions about this season and different things, let's be reminded of the unchanging truth of what Christ has done for each of us. Let's remind each other, right? You talk to friends, you're talking to somebody, they may be discouraged, let's remind them. Amen? Let me pray for us, um, and we'll go into time of communion. Um, Lord, we thank you for 1 John chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 4. We thank you for reminding us once again uh, that your love uh, does not change. That love came down and, and completely that truth, that reality of Advent, uh, it, it, it not only sustains us, but it restores our hope and joy uh, so, Lord, we, we want to come together as a community who recognize. Uh, and also, Lord, we want to love like you do, God. It's, it's hard. It's, it, it's, it's, it, it feels impossible because we know who we are really like when lights are off. And when we are by ourselves, we know our thoughts and we know our challenges. Uh, but, Lord, we trust your word. We trust that even when our heart is weak and even when our, 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 our heart is, is, is not right, uh, it's your spirit, it's your love, your generosity, your grace that lifts us up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. Thank you, Jesus, for this celebration. We celebrate you this afternoon. Just let me pray. Amen.